Hey, what's up? Welcome in to Let's Race Cougs. Dayon Dunlap here alongside Chris Gardner as the Cougs got a very impressive win over UCF 57 to 42, getting a second consecutive win. Thank you guys for joining us here on Let's Race Cougs. We'll jump right into it. Overall from the field, but he was also 50% from three. He's five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked in the number one. Eight. What's up, Chris? Dayana Dunlop here and Chris Gardner. Let's race cools. Another impressive victory. Chris, what stood out to you um, in today's game? Defense, brother. Defense, defense, defense. You know, I'm I'm old school. It was one of my media buddies said the game was ugly. It got ugly because of all the fouls being called. <laughs> but, yeah. but the defense, to me, it looked like, especially in the first half, a matchup of two teams that have faced each other a lot in the previous conference. Mm-hmm. They know each other's strengths, weaknesses. So they, they, they knew the sets. <laughs> they knew been everything and that's why the, the points were at a premium but man the ucf did not make their first two-point basket until 10 minutes into the second half i've never seen that before in my life man <laughs> yeah i never seen nothing like that either and just watching it, i was thinking like man we don't we don't really give that defense good enough credit for them being the best in the country i just watching it and it really it stood out with LJ Carr. I, I think giving him a lot of credit the way he was stopping the ball, getting in front lane, and the way that they helped they all play on one accord. It was a very very impressive defensive act. Like you said, they didn't make their first field goal until halfway in the first half, and then um after that they still were struggling to score after that. So Houston was just really just everywhere, everywhere contesting, rotating, um helping the helper, everything you could think of. I think defensively. They, they really, really was very impressive tonight. But best defensive. I mean, and speaking of defense, I mean, you were at the press conference. Um, Coach um, Dawkins had a bit and said, you want to go right into that clip? Go ahead. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let me see. But, yeah, well, I think I was pulling it up. The whole UCF, the 15.9% field goal. It, it was unreal, man. It was unreal. The Knights were 0 for 15 from two in the first half. Three for nine from three, 0 for 15 from two. They missed, I think, their first three twos in the second half. <laughs> it was just, we were just waiting. Will they make a two? And they finally made a two-point basket. Insane. Can you see this? Job of uh, taking us out of things that we wanted to do, uh, and so 
uh, you know, we have to learn from this experience and grow and, and move forward to our next opponent. I mean, to hear him say, you know, Johnny's been a, a player, a coach, mm -hmm. long time. And that's the, one of the best defense he's seen 40 minutes in his – I mean, that, it was impressive. And it, it wasn't like you said defense was bad. <clears throat> they did a good right. job as well. Yeah. But the Cougs just had more timely shots than UCF did. You know, if you like defense, this was a place to be. If you don't, don't like defense, then you thought this game was just setting basketball back years. But – Personally, I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, I, yeah, I enjoyed it too. And and then just speaking of offense, putting the ball in the hole because that's the name of the game. And we thank you guys who all are joining us. I'm sure a lot of you are watching the Texans play right now, as I am as well on, on my TV. If they're down nine to three, but we thank you guys for taking the time to join us. This is edition of the Let's Race Cook presented by the Saxonian family, also by Star Pizza, Star Pizza as well. But speaking of offense, I think LJ, not only did he ignite the team defensively, he ignited the team offensively. Uh, I think that energy from the defense led into him. He knocked down his first shot and then got one off the dribble. And it just seemed really settled. I mean, settled mm -hmm. into the game. I, I think um, being at home really, really played him well. And just shooters, getting that comfortable, um, being at home, shooting at your home rims. And I really like what I've seen from Jamal as well. I think – how I talked about last week, him being aggressive. I think he was aggressive just as he was last game and getting to certain spots and, and being a threat to score inside the paint, and which opened it up from he was starting to make it so many beautiful passes for whether he's kicking out to for three years or to the, to the big man as, or JVA had a really good game. But what did you see from LJ out there tonight? LJ was four for 10 from three, and he was aggressive. He still didn't get to the line like you and I want him to do. But he was yeah. aggressive with his shots. And that's one thing Coach Santa said after in the press conference, that he, he liked LJ's aggressiveness, looking for shots. And Coach said a couple of times, LJ's shots may have been questionable, but Coach said he didn't mind because he was being aggressive. Yeah. So that's one thing I think Coach has uh, – he trusts LJ. We've touched on it in previous shows about maybe Coach trusts certain players more than others. But some of those players today, Malik Wilson played got some run well ramon yeah. walker got some run so that was good emmanuel sharp got in foul trouble he ends up getting a tech for his fifth foul as well but also juan roberts he aggravated his right knee he took two free throws early in the second half and then sat down the rest of the game he had a, a knee pack ice pack some new kind of ice tech thing that john houston may have put together on Juan's knee for the entire second half. And that's why you saw Ramon Walker play more. Before As we get tell, into the... can't tell real quick. I'm, I'm still at Petita Center. Women's team, U.S. women's team, and Oklahoma are warming up. So the music just started blasting for a game that starts at 6 o'clock. Yeah, before we get into some of the role players and the bench that contributed, what did you see from JVA? Me and you are both, both big, huge fans of JVA. And then look for him to stack up those good games ever since he did to start off conference play. And he's done that consecutively game after game. I think they're, what, uh, five games inside the conference now? Four? four yeah, five, five games. games. Three, and two, yeah. Three and two. Five, five games inside the conference. And he's played pretty, pretty well five games in a row. What did you see from him out there today? He's, he's playing well. He blocked some shots. He altered other shots. I forgot to send this as well, but one other thing Coach Dawkins said is he credited JVA for his length. And he said, <laughs> Coach Dawkins said, they list him at six foot eight. 
he seemed like he's seven feet because he's tall and his arm is so long. See also a lot of shots, and he's just part of the development. And he saluted Coach Sampson as well for Francis' improvement in, in his career. We got the other clip that um also that you you seen. Yeah, it's it's right real into. quick. It's a very quick clip. We'll get right into it real quick. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, what he what he said was the game is slowing down for him and and he he admitted later on in the press conference that he was nervous earlier in the season and he's less nervous now he's playing more comfortable more confidence. So as you said many times in these shows and as players, as they get older and more comfortable, the game begins to slow down for them. And that's one thing JBR said that the game has been to slow down for him and things are not coming at him as rapid, rapid pace. And he's just a quicker on the fly. Yeah. And he, he looked um, comfortable and that's a good word to use. Just speaking of how he said the paces had slowed down, and you could tell one time he got the ball off of I think a pick and roll, he could have went right up and probably should have would have got it would have been a good look, but he was patient, took one dribble, surveyed the defense, and then went up with his left hand and and, and converted the shot. I think that's a good example of him catching the ball, being patient, observing, seeing where the defense is, see if he should kick it out for any open shooters, and then being aggressive going up to score. And um, I think he and J um, one really started the game off really well, especially with J one. I mean, he showed me something I haven't seen from him tonight. He went to that right hand yeah. consecutively tonight in the post, and he did it without hesitation. I think just that talking about going back to last week when and Coach Sampson talked about instilling confidence in him, and he kind of second that, second that. I think that shows tonight. I mean, him going to that right hand, having the confidence to go to it, they work on it day in and day out. Left hand, right hand, and he's a natural left-handed player. And the scouting report is he wants to get to his left hand, and they were intentionally sitting on it, and him went right to the right hand twice, which if he can keep putting that on film and keep developing that at an alarming rate, I mean, he, he can really play professional. I really love the expansion of his game. Still waiting on him just to show that mid-range jump shot, just to show that that he can do it, but I really like the, the expansion and development of his game going to the right hand and all he brings. I, I do see the comment as well. Um, go back to what they mentioned. It. Hopefully he's all right. Yeah, Coach Sampson, he was asked about Jay's status. He did not have an answer because I think it's to be determined. I don't believe he's made it worse. I didn't see if Jay banged knees with anyone because he got fouled, went to the line. And then after those two free throws, he was done for the game. So I don't know if it was because he landed wrong, someone hit his you know, knee, thigh, whatever. But the team won't practice very much, especially these next few days, because they go to Provo and play at BYU on Tuesday. So they get there on Monday. They're going to do like a walkthrough on Sunday, so limited work for everybody tomorrow, and then fly to Provo on Monday. So we'll see if he's able to play on Tuesday. If he's good enough to go, he'll play. If not, he won't, and then you just take time off and try to give him as much rest as he that he needs and to keep it moving. This team will be fine. But one thing I want to say, Juan has done a very good job defending on the perimeter. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's not too many guards. You know, obviously, quicker guards will beat most big people. But if you don't have that lightning quickness, he can keep in front of most of them, and that's good to see. 
that helps out the defense overall. Yeah, no, I agree with 100%. He definitely has. And, and speaking of um, with him ailing, other players who was able to get some minutes, some of which we'll get right to. But I want to thank you all for joining us. This edition of Let's Race School presented by the Saxonian family, as well as Star Pizza and Diane Dunlop here and, and Chris Gardner. But speaking of those players who stood, uh, who stepped up in stepped up in those minutes, was Ramon Walker and also Malik Wilson. Let's start with Malik Wilson. I think he was one of the first ones to come off the bench, and he's been showing what he's been showing in spurts. But this time he got extended minutes, and he was able to really show his explosiveness, his rebounding ability, and his defensive ability as well. And this time he was able to get some shots to fall. I mean, he's been getting yeah. the same looks. But the ball actually went down for him. What did you see from Lee? He did a great job today. He was four for ten from the floor, seven rebounds, seven rebounds from the guard position. He got twenty-two minutes of run. That was very good. He missed an alley-oop dunk, and not many folks know this. You can see it if you watch the games closely. Malik is wearing a a knee sleeve on his right leg as well, so he's dealing with some knee issues also. So it's not really known what it is it could be tendonitis or anything something like that but you can see so he does not have his explosive like he he usually has when he's 100 healthy but he got the run did a good job coach samson went with basically four guards at some points in the game with ramon malik lj and jamal because some out of necessity because in you know injury issue with Juan, but foul trouble with emmanuel damian dunn did not have have a good game today but Coach Sampson felt like he could trust those four guards. He went with them, and they did a good job. They were solid. And Coach Sampson also added this, that Malik has had some good practice the last few days, and he wanted to reward him for those performances in practice. So it's good to see. Yeah, and I think players appreciate that, and that's how you get the most out of players in practice, by rewarding them for um, that and putting them in the game and letting them play extended minutes. And he did that. Another player uh, – is there's Ramon Walker, his second consecutive game, playing consecutive minutes, knocking down a three-point basket, as well as just playing confidence. One of the things that Coach Sampson said in his media availability during the week was after that game, Ramon had an extra bounce in his step at practice, and he showed his confidence was up. And you can see that tonight. Um, how, how did it tell from live? How did it look live? He did a great job, but it was – I trust the stack crew. You know, done a great job of many years I've been here. But it sure seemed like Ramon had more than three rebounds. He had three. He had so many hustle plays. And, of course, he dives on the floor because that's what Ramon does. But he did a very good job. Seven points, knocked down a three from the top of the key, made four five free throws, got fouled on a three-point attempt, which is rare. But yeah, solid. But. One thing, and it's a style of play, personnel is who they are. Coach Samson says Ramon's style of play, Ramon's, I don't even say skill set, but his style of play is not really made for 30 minutes of action. Like Terrence Arsenal's style of play, skill set overall, is made for 30 minutes of action. But the Cougars don't have Terrence. Terrence is done for the year. So Ramon, in his role, can be a star in his role. And if it's... 18, 20 minutes of action, he can do that. And that's what he did today. So salute to him. 
Yeah, and I, and I think he he's a player that you can count on in regards to the intangibles for defense and, and being a a utility um kind of Swiss Army knife type player. And if he can consistently show that he can stretch the floor and knock down that three and be a threat from outside and just offensively as well, because he has the strength to finish through contact and defend bigger players. And so I think with that, he, he can be a player that Coach Samson can leave on the game, lean on on the game to game basis with Malik Wilson and Damian Dunn. Damian Dunn, they really um, have have a big game because of Malik Wilson, Ramon kind of played a lot of those minutes, but still to see you to have that depth and have the plethora of players to know that they in any given game they can be counted on uh, to have the impact and to have the ability to let their talents um, speak for themselves and, and impact the game. Yep, Ramon is is the backup four now. Really, when, when JoJo's not the backup four, those minutes go to Ramon, and coach trusts him. He's versatile enough to defend at that four spot. The hustle's going to be there, and he's got he's healthy now. The shoulder's healthy now for sure, so the hitch is not there. His shot is not broken anymore. So if he can become a reliable, not looking for him to become a a gunner or a, a go to score, but it's a, a reliable three point mm-hmm. threat that helps the offense. Another another tool in the back <clears throat> of Coach Sampson. And for some some people who may be I don't want to say casual fans might may not be aware. Of what you just referenced of him being kind of like the backup four, that's because Coach Sampson referenced earlier during the week that he's like JoJo uh, more comfortable at the backup five spot to where um, he doesn't have to defend certain certain coverages. It's right. kind of paraphrasing what he said, but he said he liked JoJo more at the backup five spot. So therefore, Ramon can have more of those backup minutes at the four spot, and so. Um, and I like that. I like that versatility, especially like you said, if he can just show that he can be a consistent threat with and have an ability to make those shots on the outside, it only help them be more versatile going forward. And and to say to add to what you d- just mentioned, how Juan Roberts is much more comfortable, experienced veteran leadership as well, but been in the program a long time. You see how he's much more comfortable on the perimeter defensively. Compare that to Jordan Tugler. You see, Jojo Tugler is nowhere near as comfortable on the perimeter defensively. It's going to come with time. So until that time comes, Ramon Walker will be that backup four. Jojo will be the backup five. And you can still see the potential there. Jojo will stay out of foul trouble. You can see what he can do. We'll see what he does on the road because he has not played well yet. Yet, just yet, on the road in Big 12 play yet. He's over two so far. We'll see what he does Tuesday against BYU. We know everyone is and um, following this Houston, Texas football playoff game, divisional game against the Ravens. As they got a punt return for a touchdown, tied 10 10 now in Baltimore, 4 17 left here in the second quarter. Appreciate you all for joining us here on this edition of Let's Race Cougs. As the Cougs got a very impressive win over Cincinnati. I mean, excuse me, not Cincinnati, Central Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Central Florida um, at home. And Central Florida is a very tough team. They, they've beaten Texas at home. Both of their conference wins are over Texas and Kansas. Yep. And, and that's impressive. And so I think they're going back home and they'll have, of course, like every game is, is a tough team. How about the depth of the Big 12? We was kind of talking about that in our group chat. How about the depth of the Big 12 and how many teams – on a game-to-game basis, you can actually lose and your net raking improve. Yeah. I mean, the last 24, 36 hours, bracketology, three different people I trust have 10 
Big 12 teams in the tournament. Ten. The, the minimum is eight that I've seen. So between eight and ten Big 12 teams right now, men's teams are projected to be, and it's projection, of course, projected to be in this year's NCAA tournament. That's so impressive. And it's it's a grind. You know, Coach Sampson said it, touched on it. Folks who cover the league say it often. This is a gauntlet to win games in the Big 12. It's taxing. It's tough to do whether you win at home, the road. Take it and move on and be glad you got that dub. Coach Dawkins, he said, hey, this is a tough league. It's the best basketball league in the country. Salute to all the team, the coaches, the commissioner, everybody who's made it so. And we're getting better day by day simply because of the competition we face game in, game out. This is what we wanted, and we are enjoying it as media, but also as fans of basketball, because you say it, I say it, iron sharpens iron. And this is just so much iron in this league. It definitely is. You see this comment right here, West Virginia really? up against Kansas oh, right now. I'm trying to check the score as they just posted this comment to see the score. And the score is 72 to 82 with under six minutes left, it looks like. Really? Wow. That's got to well, be. A, yeah, that's a road game. Under right? eight. Yeah, yeah, that's a road game. Yeah. But also, this comment right here I wanted to get to because it's kind of right along along the conversation that we've been talking about. Defensive clinic, of course, uh, Houston did. And defense travels is yes. one thing uh, on the road where you may struggle on missing shots and may not be able to shoot lights out or shoot an efficient percentage like you would at home. Defense travels, and you're going to get to BYU team, and I think it's one of the top three-point shooting teams in the yes. country. And so they're a very prolific offensive team. What's going to be some of the keys for Houston to get their first Big 12 win on the road? Defending the perimeter. They foul three-point shooters a little bit too much. To, you know, one time is one too many for me. But got to defend the perimeter. BYU, a lot of movement. BYU has a lot of cuts player movement, ball movement, and it's going to be a kind of a quick turnaround. You know, games on Tuesday, you play today, you got a travel day, got to fly up there. So it's almost like being in a tournament. It's a challenge. But, yes, three-point shooting, it's almost it's kind of almost safe to say BYU kind of lives by the, and dies by that three-point shot. And that's the way um, the, the basketball game is kind of trending in, especially at the next level. And so – I don't want to say it's rare, but you don't see a, a lot of college teams getting a, getting up as many threes as they do. It's going to be strength on strength. Houston is one of the best defending um, three-point shooting teams in regards to opponent uh, three-pointing percentage. And so I expect Houston to contest them and run them off the line a lot. And I think it's going to be for Houston to have to get out to a good start. You, know, you don't want to fall behind early and want to fight back and fight back. Because, you know, on the road, there's going to be highs and lows throughout the game. But if you can withstand that first punch and, and actually throw the first punch and force BYU to kind of fight back and, and force them to lean on that three-point, then I, I think it'll bode well for Houston. But um, it's been a great game. I know you got more to do. Is there anything else that you do like that? Well, yeah, I want to put, put this comment up because that is how many they make a game. Again, they right. make 13 threes a game. They take way more than that. It takes probably 35 or so a game. They make mm -hmm. 13 threes a game. So it is definitely going to be strength on strength. The Battle of the Cougars. Yep. The UH Cougars against the BYU Cougars. And I remember Cougars last time. Go ahead. Last time I, um, they played Houston Afrotita. Buster beater. 
to yep. beat Houston. Yeah. Two of the top four teams in the net squaring off could be in both. So definitely it's going to be a quad one win for either team. Looking forward to it. The only negative from a a national perspective is it's on ESPN Plus. Yeah, I saw that. And not ESPN, ESPN two or ESPN U. It's not the linear network. It's on ESPN Plus. And real quick, I got the I got this. Got to make Andy happy and proud, and of course our sponsor. Let me see here. If we get the right tag. We're gonna thank you to Star Pizza, our secondary sponsor with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to shop before or after the game. And Andy may join us in the closing moments. He's doing his teacher duties today, so, you know, take care of that. So if possible, he'll join us. But we won't be very much longer because, as you can tell, maybe, I'm still at Fertitta Center getting ready for the UH women's game at against Oklahoma. Big 12 game. We'll see. Dan, I don't know how much you want to spend on it, but how much uh, – see if the Cougs can bounce back from – that game against West Virginia on the road where they lost 80-39 a few nights ago. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, uh, we, we can if you like. You want to spend a few minutes uh, talking about the ladies and, and how this season is going thus far and what you've seen from them? I mean, like this, let's do that for this, you know, real briefly. One thing for sure that the game at West Virginia showed, Layla Blair is a Cougs offense. <laughs> she got in foul trouble early in that first quarter. Mm-hmm. She sat down, the offense that went with her. <laughs> they did nothing without Layla on the floor. Yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. I think um, when you're, you're leading score battles, foul trouble, and pretty much early in that second half as well, she battled foul trouble. Yeah, she fouled so, out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, that was definitely tough. And then so some good looks, but they honestly just weren't falling. And, but I think they um, – they're so good in regards to defensively, but the name of the game is putting the ball in the hole. And I think that's what's plagued them time and time again um, this season. You can get all the turnovers, you can get all the steals, and have post all the defensive stats that you want. But ultimately, how efficient offensively can you execute in the half court or in the full court or when the game slows down in those different moments? And that's something they haven't done well to be able to execute and be able to score in the half court and just have a proficient offense. I think they rely a lot on getting those turnovers and, and playing freely and getting out of transition. But the game, you can't win a game often just relying on getting those type of points. In. And I think that's what's plagued them. Yep. And, and one issue with them is when they miss a few shots, they miss more shots. They don't, you know, it's like a, it's spreads throughout the whole team. It's like, oh, no, here we go again. Those two missed shots to come four, then it becomes six, then it becomes eight, then it becomes ten. And next thing you know, because one of their keys is you gotta be able to score to set up their, their pressure defense. Right. You can't score, you can't set up pressure defense. So right. that is a problem. But answer, then, I want to answer Gus's question here. Then turnovers. What did Kelvin see that needs improvement after today? Ironically, I say ironically, but this is the coach's mindset. Defense. He wants the defense to continue to improve. And what we saw today from UCF will be different on Tuesday from BYU because BYU is much more three-point oriented in their offense. So the Cruz will have to be very good talking on defense, getting out to those three-point shooters, and as you said, run them off the three-point line, 
they can put it on the on the floor and become more drivers and then recover it back out to three-point shooters when they do the driving kicks. So defense is key. Defense travels. And I hope more and more I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm really trying to emphasize the point to the fans who watch Let's Rage Cougars support us on all our platforms. The importance of defense. Defense travels. Coach Sampton says it. We say it, but clearly it carries more weight when Coach Sampson says it. But defense travels. Defense keeps you in games all the time when your mm-hmm. offense struggles. You can control that attitude and effort. Defense will keep the Cougs in games every game they play. For sure. And, and um, and I, I think when they play against BYU, we won't see them probably help as much as they do because they help the helper and try to stop the ball from getting inside. And with, with BYU not really looking to drive the ball as much, they will. They do want to collapse and kick. But I think with Coach Sampson staff being aware of that, they'll look for those players who may get beat off the initial dribble for those wing players to not help as much off the wing to not give up some of those empty looks and force them to drive the basketball and finish over the shot blockers, whether it be J1, JoJo, or JVA. JVA. And that's, that's, yeah, that's one thing, you know, if folks who watched the game today were able to watch the game today, one of the minor negatives is there were a few times when the Cougs got beat off the dribble individually. So that's one thing. It took bad angles, went for pump fakes, things like that. Just clean that up, continue to improve, and continue relying on your defense improving game to game, and this team will be fine. Yeah, most definitely. Well, as um, Chris gets ready to continue on his long day of work as the women get ready for their game against oh, you see if they can bounce back. You all know it's following Houston, Texas, just 10 to 10. Just around two minutes to go, Texas have the ball just on their 24-yard line facing the third and 13. But we appreciate you guys for joining this edition of Let's Race Cools, presented by the Saxonian family. Chris, you want to give the ad read again one more time? You, you just for pay the bills. This is a good point from uh, Gus as well. BYU does like to draw fouls. So yeah. the two jump players got to not get those pump fakes, stay yeah, on the floor, and not, not foul jump shooters. Please, please, please do not foul jump shooters. That is one of my pet peeves. Do not foul jump shooters. But, yes, Star Pizza, once again, thank you to today's secondary sponsor, Star Pizza, with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of their locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. Star Pizza, as always, has free delivery since 1976. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Let's Race Cougars. The Houston Cougars got the win. <coughs> Excuse me, over Central Florida, 52. Um, and, it, and the score wasn't as close. As, as, I mean, the game wasn't as close as the final score indicates. Houston really I mean, dominated. No, it got close because, I mean, let me pull it up real quick. UCF, 7 for 44. From the floor, four for 21 from three, but they went 24 for 33 from the free throw line. So if the refs would not have called it so tight, UCF would not have scored 42 points. Their team low in program history was 38. We were wondering 
if they would get to 38 and they finally got to a, with what four or five minutes left in the game. But yes, the Cougs offense had, had one last drought, which allowed UCF to pull within 15. But even at 15, there, there was no concern about the Cougs losing this game. UCF just they could make a shot for, for anything. So if one from the free throw line, they did not score. Most definitely, most definitely. Chris, you want to um, let the folks where you can be found at? Thank you, brother. And uh, let me do big screen. Now do you big screen. You wrap it up. I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Thank you, everybody. Thank <clears> you <throat> for watching this edition of Less Rage Cougs. Andy Yanez was doing, I think, teacher certification today. That's what he's doing. That's why he's like, <coughs> able to join us today. But you can follow me on Houston Round Ball Review on TikTok, Instagram, Audible, Threads, and of course, subscribe to the Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. Hit that like button so you can receive notifications when new shows are posted. There'll be a football text recap after the game on the YouTube channel of Houston Round Bar View. So as always, never forget, as Dayon likes and enjoys, and it's my, my tag, my phrase, the Houston Round Bar Review since 1994, local name, global perspective. And I'm Dayon Dunlap. You can find me on all social media platforms like your show is right under my name at Dayon Dunlap. Appreciate you all for joining us here on this busy sports Saturday on the weekend where you guys can be anywhere, but you were right here tuned in with me and Chris. And shout out to our brother Andy, of course, like Chris mentioned, taking care of his um, teaching duties. But another dominating win for Houston Cougars. And as always, go Cougs. <laughs>